This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So we're back to basics, Christianity 101. This will be part one. But anyway, here's a title I'd put on it. Don't just read your Bible, meditate in the Word. I hope you're taking notes and, uh, you know, develop a new habit. You can teach an old dog new tricks. I'm 68 years old. I'm not calling myself an old dog, but God's still teaching me. If I can learn things, you can discipline yourself to start carrying a pen and a pencil, a pad, and start writing. Train yourself to do something new. You know the, you know the uh, definition of a fool. Keep doing the same thing. Think you're going to get different results. And so you got to be willing to change. If you want to grow more, you got to do something different. So actually start taking real notes and have something you go back and look at. Learn new things if you want to keep growing. And uh, anyway, this title, don't, don't just read your Bible, meditate the word. And then I wrote, there is a difference. And see, I'd say the majority of Christians don't know the difference between reading the Bible and meditating in the word of God. There's a major difference. We're going to look at that tonight. And so this month, I'm 40 years old in the Lord. And I'm in a season of life now where God's changing me to do some things, et cetera, he wants to do. And I know that in my, in my time, I've always kept a journal pretty much my whole 40 years. I keep journals. And as I was seeking the Lord this past week about where I am, this phase I'm in, I mean, I've always, I mean, I've been a very serious Bible studier, meditator, et cetera, et cetera. As I'm going back to some basic things, the Lord had me buy these again. And I'm starting all over. Somebody said, what's that? That's this. Three by five cards that I write verses on, personal confessions. When I got born again in 1980, I got under Word of Faith. I got born again in January. I got under Word of Faith pastor in September. And I remember that's one of the things he really emphasized very seriously. He got it off of John Osteen, who was Dr. Barclay's pastor and, and really a great man of God, Joel Osteen's dad. And that's what John Osteen taught the believers back in the 70s in the ministry there was get three by five cards. That's how John Osteen grew. That's how he got victory. My pastor got it and lots of great men of faith do. And so anyway, I've got hundreds of cards over the years I wrote things down on, but I'm starting all over again. I'm getting back to my Christianity 101. And so during the course of the week, as there's things during the day from the word of God, that's giving me victory for that day, things I'm thinking of for this season. I'm starting all over again and writing them down like I've never seen them before. Personal confession with them. I'm sticking them in my pocket and I'm pulling them out on my nightstand by my bed. I have these laying by my bed at a nighttime. If I'm just like somebody tempted to get a cigarette, if I'm tempted to pull up the iPhone, I said, nope. Pull up the scripture. My Bible. Pull up my Bible. Do what I did as a, as a young Christian. Start looking at the Word day and night, day and night, night and day. I listen to Brother Hagen and Copeland, different ones on the YouTube at nighttime. Sometimes I listen to Pastor Dave or Mrs. Pastor or whoever's preached at our church off the, off our, what's it called, iPod? Podcast, podcast. Off the podcast. I listen to those things, but I want to look at the Word of God with my own eyes. Amen. And so tonight, what we're teaching is my journal stuff, my personal life that I'm doing again right now. And I just want to say this again. I want to raise up a church of people that walk in so much victory that it, they reek of victory. And, you know, matter of fact, Paul said we're supposed to be a sweet-smelling fragrance to those that are lost and to those that are saved. We're supposed to smell good around, around people. When you've got victory in your heart and in your mouth and in your life, you smell good. And people want to get around and just get a whiff what you smell like, and they hope that something will get on them. And it will, if you're full of the word. Amen. And so look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And I pray that this series isn't just a teaching, but it's an impartation. Impartation. And what do you mean by that, Pastor? Have you ever heard the expression, some things are not taught, they're caught? And so, I've really been a really good Bible teacher for a long, long time because God's really brought me up in the Word, given me a grace anointing to teach the Word of God. 
But the best things I ever got off Brother Hagen was when I caught it. The best thing I ever got off my pastor as a young Christian is when I caught it. And matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 4.13 talks about the spirit of faith. He said, we have in the same spirit of faith. And so there's, it's not like a spirit like the Holy Spirit. It's an attitude. It's a way of life. It's who we are. We don't just say we live by faith. That's who we are. We're faith people. It's our lifestyle. We don't do things unless we believe it's what God wants us to do based upon the Word of God. And so for this series, my prayer is that everyone that comes to these will catch it. Not just hear it, but catch it at James 1.22. You know, when I'm writing verses down, if they're not ones you're familiar with, you ought to write them down. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word only, and not hearers, not hearers only, but be doers. He said, Deceiving your own self. So people that sit at a service like this, at a series like this, and they just sit there with their hands crossed, never take notes, just listen. You know what you get? You get a temporary blessing. That's just like going down to Jenny someplace like that and eat that Mexican food and thinking, man, that was good. But guess what, man? By the time you go to the bathroom tomorrow, the good's all gone. Hey, man, it was good, but it's all gone. But God wants you to get a hold of this to where it lasts you every day, builds up muscle tone, builds up strength, causes you to have endurance. And so when you actually take notes and you do what you're hearing, and you're serious about it, it won't just be a good blessed thing where you leave that somebody asked you on Wednesday, oh, by the way, they'll say, our pastor, this would happen to our church on Sunday. What what what'd your pastors teach on Sunday? Oh, I don't know, but it was good. But where'd you eat that Sunday? Well, I ate at Jenny's. It was good. What'd your pastor teach? I don't know, but it was good. Well, we don't want to just be good. We want to be life-changed. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting already. Amen. And so Mark chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 1 through 20 before I get down to look at it. Because I want you to see this. And you know, for, for, for a homework assignment for this season, if you were in a college class online right now, the things you have to study, for this season, start reading this chapter several times a week, the first 20 verses. And look at them. Get on the same page that the Holy Spirit has us on for these Sunday nights. It says, and he began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea and on the land. That reminds me of something right there when I see that. Would you say those people were hungry for the word? They were everywhere? Well, Joe is in, our son Joe is in Brooklyn, New York right now, and Joe and his wife have been trying to find a church. And so the first place they went to three weeks ago had so many people going to that church, they were lined up for blocks around the blocks and said they had a special car parking place there. I mean, New York City got a lot of people. And so they had some kind of equipment that stacks cars up on things. Just picture car, stacks cars up. They stack cars up to many people. And he said they were lined up around the blocks so much that they didn't want to get in the line, so they didn't even go. They didn't go. And then last week they went to a church. And had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and just the same type thing, just people standing everywhere trying to get in, but they got in. They were in the church service. Then this week, this morning, they went to a church and said there were so many people in that church hungry for the word. They were standing around the walls and they were so crowded that Joe and Portia did get a seat, but they had the baby carrier. The baby had sat on the floor. They come and took the baby carrier and said, we need somebody to be able to stand there. So they held the baby and put their baby carrier somewhere else and gave it back to them. And that's what God wants today. He wants churches to start getting so hungry for him that people are willing to stand up. That's how it was when we come into this thing back in the late 70s, early 80s. All the meetings we went to and places we went to, people were like that. They were hungry for the Word of God, get there two hours early. I'm talking about back in Indianapolis, Indiana. And that's why we had such a great move of God back then. Think about it, Mrs. Pastor and I kept that hunger they had back then. And we've endeavored to take it everywhere we go for people to be that way again, to learn the value of spiritual things, the value of the Word. But also, what I'm hearing these stories from Joe is telling me something. On the news, all I see 
is the horrors of New York City. But then I'm hearing from a believer who's actually in New York City. There's a lot of people in New York City hungry for God. That tells me that New York City is going to have some change coming. Because when God's people, you look at you look at the children of Israel in Egypt. It says they got tired. They got tired of the bondage in Egypt. It says they cried out to God. And then God got a hold of Moses and said, Moses, I've heard their cries. Go. And then God said in priests, that tells me there's something going to happen in New York City that's not on CNN or any of the other news stations. Amen. But guess what it's on? It's on the pages of heaven. God says, i got a plan for those people. And now they're getting in line with it. It's going to happen. And I'll tell you what, California is the same way. California does not belong to the devil and his people. California belongs to Jesus. But a lot of moves of God across California over the decades of time. And we at this church along with many other churches, are getting ourselves in position to go with God in that move. Amen, amen. So those multitudes there. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sword to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves. And so endure, but for a time afterward, with affliction, our persecution rises for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns such as here, the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entered in, choke the word. And it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground such as here, the word, and receive it. And bring forth fruit. Some thirty some 60, and some 100. And so we need to study this teaching of Jesus over and over again until it's as much a part of our thinking as the math table is. How many, you know, I, I know you're all educated people. I mean, most of you went to at least the fifth grade. And if you listened, if you listened, when they taught you 2 plus 2, how many learned 2 plus 2? Did you even have to think about what the answer was? You don't have to think. You just knew. What's two times two? You don't have to think. You just know. You know the math table. It's a part of your thinking. It's in your thinking. It's a part of your life. One plus one to count by tens, to multiply by tens, whatever it is. I mean, you know, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 20, 40, 60, 80. You've learned all those kind of math, math things like that. This parable right here, the principles, the things of this parable that Jesus is teaching, needs to be as much of your thinking as 2 plus 2, 4 times 4, 9 times 9. This needs to be as much as your thinking. If you want to have a spiritually strong, victorious Christian life, the principles of this parable's got to be ingrained in you. If this principles get ingrained in your heart, you'll never miss another church service that you can be at. You'll never elevate anything above coming to church to learn the Word of God. And so you need to study this 
until it's just a part of your thinking, just as much as anything in life is. Somebody asks you what your name is, you don't have to think about it. You know your name. Now, your phone number might be different. We get all the modern stuff where things are programmed like that. But your name, that'll be just part of you, a part of you that, 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 that doesn't go away. That's how it needs to be. So anyway, it be, these, this principle we're going to look at needs to become a part of your way of life. Now, you notice he said in verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. I've told you this a lot of times what a parable is, but you need to get this. A parable is a natural illustration to get across the spiritual truth. When you understand the natural story, then you understand the spiritual aspect of it, what it means to you. And a parable always has one theme or central truth for us to learn. One theme, one central truth for us to learn. And so did you notice all those times... From verse 13 to verse 20, as I went through there, I emphasized, notice verse 14. The sower soweth the word. Notice verse 15. Satan comes to steal the word. Notice verse 16. The word. Notice verse 17. The word. 18, 19, 20. Over and over and over and over again, Jesus talked about the word. And so the one central truth that Jesus is getting across here is this. And we're going to look at this. Everything, everything in the kingdom of God. And by the way, just, you know, I don't like to go too deep on too many things. The kingdom of heaven is a real physical place in the spiritual realm, but it's a real physical place we're going to go to. The kingdom of heaven, we'll walk on streets of gold. We've got mansions, river of life, trees of life, and all those things there. The kingdom of God is the spiritual aspect of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And Jesus said the kingdom of God's in us. The kingdom of God is on earth now. Remember, remember when he was getting ready to go to the cross? He said, some of you here are never going to die until you see the kingdom of God. Well, that's because the kingdom of God came into manifestation when Jesus was raised from the dead. So they saw the kingdom of God. He said in Luke chapter, I think Luke 11, said they'll say, lo, behold, here, behold, there. He said the kingdom of God's within you. And so the kingdom of God is a spiritual manifestation of the kingdom of heaven that's down here with us now. And so everything, everything in the kingdom of God revolves around the word of God. Everything he just told us right here was the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. And until you get that revelation, you'll be a carnal Christian. And then I'm going to take it one step further. Until you act on that revelation, you'll still be a carnal Christian. It doesn't make how much Bible you know, it's how much Bible you do. That's going to get you the victory. And if it becomes real to you, we was talking about this at our prayer meeting tonight. We have prayer at 5 o'clock. And anybody that wants to can come to our 5 o'clock prayer. You're all welcome to come to 5 o'clock prayer. When it becomes real to you, some, some of them brought this up at the prayer meeting. Back when me and Mrs. Pastor got saved back in those early days, Kenneth Copeland come to Indianapolis once a year. And he was there five nights, Monday through Friday night. He's in Indianapolis. The Indianapolis Convention Center was packed out with hungry believers. I'd get off my job at four or five o'clock, whatever time I got off. And she just brought my clothes down there in the car so I could change into a suit because back then we didn't have the sloppy agape. I'm not, you dress however you want to. We just, you know, we don't get people undressed. But she'd break my suit, man. I'd just wash the dirt off my face, man, and spit on my hair and brush it back. And we go in there, all dressed up, ready to go. We was in line early. And we wasn't in line by ourselves. Thousands of people were in line to get in there. You know why? <clears throat> they learned the value of the Word of God. They were hungry for the Word of God. Kenneth and Gloria Copeland were Word teachers. They were coming here to our city. We were honored as if the president came because they came and they were great gospel carriers. Brother Hagin came was the same thing. We lined up for the Word of God. Well, I was first in the ministry. We got to go to... Uh, minister of things at Raymond Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's the one we went to was in February of every year. <clears throat> I remember they'd have snow blizzards, things going on. Man, we'd bundle up around our clothes and we'd get there to that place. There's so many thousands of people in February coming to hear the word. We would stand out there in the cold for two or three hours, getting hit with snow and ice and blizzard because we didn't want to have to sit in the balcony on the backside. We wanted down someplace close where we could be close to the man of God, hear the word of God. You know why that was? My pastor taught me the value of the Word of God through this parable here, and I got it. 
I found out that every victory I had was going to come on what I did, how much I loved God's Word, what I did with God's Word. And so I knew, I knew that I was spiritually ignorant. I was illiterate when it came to the Bible. I didn't know anything. And these guys seemed to me like they knew everything. So all I wanted to do was get around the guys that knew it so I could get it. And so I put the Word of God, coming to hear the Word of God, taught at the top of my priority list above all else. We scheduled every vacation we had around teaching conventions. We went to wherever the big guys were teaching at, and we sat out there for a week. We got married on November 27, 1982. We got in our car. We drove straight to South Bend, Indiana. Dr. Lester Summerall had the Faith Giants having a word convention that week. We got there. We got married Saturday afternoon, drove straight to South Bend, Indiana, and Dr. Summerall had his regular church service Sunday morning. Then the big guy started teaching on Sunday night. And we got there Sunday morning. We was right in the front row, right front row, right in front of the pulpit, eyeball to eyeball, Lester Summerall. And then we had him lay hands on us and bless our marriage, the first thing we did. That night, the service started at 7 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, we were sitting on the steps of that church waiting on the doors are open. Every morning... Every morning, I think the first service was at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. Every morning, we were there two hours early, sitting there waiting to get in. Every night, we were there two hours sitting, waiting to get in. We didn't get married because of what we looked like or what we could kiss like or anything else. We got married because we had one thing in common. She knew she was called of God. I knew I was called of God. I knew God put us together. And I knew we had one goal. We was going to go into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we do. We do because we do the value of the Word of God. We knew it wasn't going to happen because of how charismatic we were. It wasn't going to happen because of who we knew. We knew it was going to happen because we loved the Word of God. We were going to be Word people hooked up with Jesus through His Word. And we knew that's all we had to teach anybody. It wasn't how smart we were. was what the Word of God could do for their lives. And because we chose not to be hypocrites, we made sure the Word was working in our lives. And so we wasn't going to preach tithing if we weren't tithers. We weren't going to preach healing if we didn't look to Jesus as our healer. We weren't going to teach husband and wife loves each other if we didn't love each other the way the Bible taught to love each other. We weren't going to teach about the value of going to church. We wasn't in church every time the doors were open. And the reason we did all those things wasn't because we had to prove something. We genuinely got Mark chapter 4 in our hearts and our head to where we do our whole life revolves around the Word of God. Amen. I like something Brother Hagin said, that when he was going through crisis, when he was a pastor, he was the only pastor, what, 11 years, 12 years, he was a pastor. And, and they had, you know, the leaders of the church and things going on. They'd have financial problems or people problems, stuff going on. The people about go nuts with stress. They say, Pastor Hagin, what are we going to do? He was a really young guy, his early twenties. He said, Well, guys, he said, let's just let's just act like the Bible's true. And he grinned at him like that. Said, one by one, they go, It is, isn't it? And they'd say, Let's just let's just do what the Bible says to do. And you know, I live by that. I got attacked that cancer stuff like that. I didn't have one minute of stress. I didn't have one minute of worry. I was talking to Mrs. Pastor. I see all these different people put on Facebook all the time and send out the group text, pray for us, pray for us, pray for us. Oh, pray for us. I said, we didn't ask one person to pray for us. It wasn't anything to do with pride. Mark chapter 4 has been a part of our life all these years. If I've got the word in me and my victory's in the word, why do I need to cry out to somebody else for something? I want to say, again, it's not pride. It's just the word, James chapter 1, said, Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So the word's engrafted into our souls, into our thinking. It's a part of us. Did anybody ever, uh, you know what I've thought about that before the word engrafted? The Greek, it says, I'm going to get back to these notes up here, but i got some awesome notes. But uh, the, word, the Greek word says implanted word. Receive makes us the implanted word. And when I, when I read that the first time, all I thought about, that's when these nicotine patch things came out. I thought, man, these people get these nicotine patches. If I understand them right, they got some kind of nicotine something in them or something, pop something into you to help you get over it. Well, I thought, man, why can't we see, 
receive a word implant like the Bible says and let the word keep pumping faith into us all day long. That implantation keep hitting our mind all day long to where no matter what happens, our first thought is, this way I've lived for all these years, first thought is, what's the word say? Amen. And I know that when I first got saved, uh, I used to watch Star Trek before I got saved. But uh, anyway, they had this thing on there. I haven't watched that for years. But they had this thing called memory banks. I remember they say, check the memory banks. And so I've, I've planted this word like I'm going to teach you tonight into my heart, into my thinking. And whatever crisis come up, whether it's money crisis, people crisis, job crisis, health crisis, or somebody else come up to me and ask me, what should I do? I would always go, what's in the Holy Ghost memory banks? And then when I learned about concordances, because it took me a while before I knew that thing called concordances. I think I saved a year or two before I learned about concordances. Then I'd say, anything about Holy Ghost concordance? And it's happened to me so many times over the years. I've put so much in that somebody comes to me for Bible counsel. I'll pull up to half a dozen, dozen scriptures from my concordance, from my memory banks to help them with. Amen. And that's, and that's John 14, 26. If bring you remembrance, all things is ever said unto you. He'll bring it out if you put it in. This parable, the theme, the central truth in this parable is everything in the kingdom of God revolves around the word. If you have no word life, you have a very shallow Christian life. If you have no word life, you have no victory life. You know, every, every once in a while, Jesus said it like this. He said, he makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He makes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. Even good things happen to sinners sometimes. And so if you're a Christian, every once in a while you get a blessing that's not your lifestyle, well, la-di-da, sinners get blessed too sometimes. <laughs> I say it again, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Hey, man, we're wanting to help you. Everything revolves around the Word of God. And so I want you to look there at verse 11, verse 9, verse 9 through 11. He said unto them, He that hath ears to hear... Let him hear. And that means when you're in a church service like this, don't get distracted by babies crying. Don't just distract it. Get distracted by somebody coughing. Don't get distracted by somebody in a church like this where we don't have hallways. Don't get distracted because somebody's walking up and down the hallway. We do everything we can to try to keep a distracted atmosphere, but you can't control everything. And back when I was in Martinsville, Indiana, Something I really had to train those people with. Our our first church building, we actually got to rent the first time we got out of the YMCA, got to a church building. It's about as wide as maybe this middle section, maybe a little bit wider than this middle section. I think on, it was a storefront building. I don't know if you know what storefront buildings are in the Midwest, but anyway, they call it like a shotgun type thing, man. You can stand here at the front, shoot a shotgun, go right through the back door to the alley, not touch anything, just a straight shot through the whole building. Anyway, we had it set up where you walk through the doors, and we had about four or five chairs on one side, four or five chairs on the other side, about probably about, what, 10, 15 rows. I think it held 100 people. We had them sitting in the windows, but we did sometimes. That's the way buildings were made there. Anyway, the fire department was right across the street from us. Did anybody ever see It's a Wonderful Life? Do you remember that one scene they were there, and all of a sudden they heard all those stars? Everybody was, whoo! running, looking out the windows, I'd be teaching, and I'd be getting right to the juiciest part I wanted to get, and I'm sitting here, and I got, you know, these rows of this side, these rows of this side, and all of a sudden, and half, two-thirds of the church turn around watching that, and thinking, man, here comes the punchline, this is the clincher, this is the part we've been coming to, and they're watching fire trucks. And so I trained the people off this parable and things like this here, this word is the most valuable thing in your life today. I can't control those fire trucks. I can pray in the name of Jesus, you know, for no fire trucks while we're having the services and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes fire trucks, and not just quiet fire trucks, where you're in a storefront building with all those plate glass windows in the front, and the fire department's right, right there. And that, uh, it was called, our city was called the, the Artesian City. All the sports teams are called their artisans because we had artisan wells there. That's those sulfur wells where people think it's mineral water and healthy stuff. And so the big fire truck, I said, say this, the big fire truck's name was Big Artie. 
because it's artisans. So when Big Artie come past, he distracted the ones. And so I started trading them and trading them and trading them. Remember the Wizard of Oz? He said, watch over here, don't watch me. Remember the wizard just hiding over there said, you watch off, don't, don't watch, don't watch over here. You be distracted. Look over here. I told them, I said, listen, some of you are facing life and death situations, your marriages, your kids, the things you're going through. I've got the answers. That siren doesn't have your answer. I've got the word of God. Those fire trucks don't have the word of God. And so I finally trained them where the majority of the people Man, we could have those sirens welling and blaring, and I'd talk louder, and they'd listen closer. Because Jesus said, as he's teaching this parable, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. That means when you're sitting in a service where the Word of God's being taught, get yourself disciplined. If you have to shut your phone off, shut your phone off. I know that I keep mine on on vibrate sometimes, because sometimes there's something going on in my family or something i got to know about, I need to know about it. But I don't get distracted. If I'm sitting in a Dr. Barclay service and my phone's on my side, I am not going to let that thing steal what my man of God's got for me. I came down, when I, when I go down to San Diego or fly across the country to sit under my pastor, I'm not going to let some stupid email about President Trump or President Obama or about some goofy marcher somewhere or something going on get my attention. That's not going to help me. What that man's got to say is going to help me. So anyway, that's what he means. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. You have to use your faith in a service to catch the word of God. Amen. And he was alone with the, they that were with him, uh, about him with the twelve, asking him the parable. He said to them, now listen to this. This is key. Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And my center column says in the Greek that means the secret or hidden truths. It's given to you to know the secrets, the hidden truths of the kingdom of God. But them are without. All these things are done in parables. And skip down to verse 13. And he said to them, know ye not this parable? That word know means understand. Understand ye not this parable? And how then will you understand all parables? And so, as a new Christian in early 1980... I come across on the AM radio on my truck as I was driving my truck route. Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, Charles Capps, Marilyn Hickey, great men and women of faith. And every day as I was driving, I'd listen to these great men and women of faith. And when my, my Christian walk got started, I started off at a Pentecostal church. They were awesome, great people, but they didn't teach the Word. They taught the Bible sometimes, but they didn't teach very much of it because they didn't know very much to teach. And so... They had a whole lot of the Spirit of God moving. Had a lot of Holy Ghost manifestations, a lot of things going on. And they had a lot of flesh, too. Had a lot of things going on, but they didn't teach the Word much. So when I began to hear these faith faith generals on the radio teaching, I started realizing there was more. And so I started praying, and I still remember specifically, I said, Jesus, I want a pastor like Brother Hagen. And I wasn't putting down the ones I were. There's a lot of good churches that aren't word churches. are good churches, good people. But I knew I was hungry for the Word of God, and I'd bottomed out there. They, you know, didn't have that much to teach. What they knew, they taught. They talked about tithing, but they didn't teach what the Bible was about. They taught about loving. They didn't teach what the Bible how to love. They just they talked about all those things. In other words, they were good preachers, but they weren't teachers. And so I prayed for that, and the Lord led me to the first Word of Faith church in Indianapolis. It had just started, and so. I got a good word of faith pastor. And so these men and these women of faith that I sit under taught me the word of faith. And so I began to learn the hidden truths. How many believe Jesus? Didn't he just say right there, number one, he that has near to hear, let him hear. He said, because it's given you to know. And then he said, if you don't understand this, he said, how are you going to understand anything? I just, I just want, I, I want you to catch this. This parable he's teaching, he said, if you don't understand this, he said, really, you're not going to understand anything about the kingdom of God. Because when you, when you learn the value of the word of God, and you actually start doing something about what you're learning, 
you never have to cry out for prayer again because you're a prayer warrior. You never have to just think, oh, if I can just get to this one, I can just get to that one. You never again. I look some little at Facebook now. I don't know if they still do it. Do they still do the sending prayers hunt stuff? I don't know if they do that. I don't know if they still got the people on there that stuff. They, they put all kinds of, talk about Christian people. Put something out there, just drop it a hint. Oh, this, 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 this. And then, message me, hun. Now that's just a bunch of people wanting to gossip and talk garbage and slop. When you learn the value of the Word of God, you quit that stuff. I almost said a wrong word. <laughs> I don't say wrong words. I don't even like to say the word C-R-A-P. I know a lot of Christians use that word. But you quit that stuff. When you learn the value of the Word of God, because Jesus said, it's given you to know how the kingdom of God works. He said, when you understand this parable, you'll understand how it works. And you'll know everything you need to know. And so for all these years, when I learned these things back in 1980, 1981, tell you what, I've never had a problem with my Christian faith again. Because I've always known what it takes to get the victory, anything I'm going through in life. Amen? And it's not crying and whining. Everything revolves around the Word of God in the kingdom of God. So now look at verse 14 and verse 15. And we're going to look at a few things tonight, because like I said, we're going to be teaching all this for a few weeks. I want you to see verse 14 at verse 15. He says this. The sower soweth the word. And sower means farmer. Probably some of you are probably looking at NLTs and other things. A sower is a farmer. And, and the word, Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 11, says the word, the seed, is the word of God. This word is spiritual seed. And your heart is the soil that God plants the seed in. And the preacher is the farmer. And so what's happening tonight, how many know that man's made out of dirt? And so you do want to be a dirty Christian. Hey man, you want to have a good dirty heart. I mean a good soiled heart. You want to have a heart that's tender soil, good soil. You understand I'm saying I'm, that, that sounds kind of funny maybe like that. And I'm not saying something wrong. But you want to be a Christian that has good, rich soil. You want to be good dirt because when you get a farmer that's a good farmer, knows how to plant the seed, the seed does no good if it doesn't have good soil. So that's why I said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. You've got to continue to be confessing and praying and saying things like this. I learned this through different teachings as a baby Christian, and I put them together. Here's what I come out of me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a tender heart and a teachable spirit. I've, I've confessed that and said that for 40 years. I want to thank you, Lord, for giving me a tender heart and teachable spirit. I go to, I go to a place where other people are teaching the word or we have guest speakers come here teaching the word. I'm always the same thing. I say, Lord, I'm hungry for the word of God today. Thank you for giving me a tender heart. Thank you, Lord. Give me a teachable spirit, Lord. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to do what you want me to do. And so Jesus said that the farmer plants the seed in the soil of the believer's heart. But then he said the believer has to be a good receiver. Do you remember that last verse I read? Verse 20 says, the ones that hear the word and receive it, you've got to receive it. You know, this morning, when I was laying hands on however many people that were up here, when you're in the spirit, Mr. of the spirit, you can tell the ones that are taking it from you and the ones that aren't. There were very few up there when I touched them. I knew they were up there, but they had a blockage. And so because that wasn't the direction we was going today, I didn't take time to stop and do a lot of talking. I just kept going. But as I lay hands on people, you could tell if their heart's open, if they're receiving the anointing, or if they rejected it. Have you ever been around magnets? You know, you just can't play with magnets. You know, you touch two positive together, they push it away, two negative, push it away. Well, that's what it is sometimes when you're praying for people. They reject them what you've got. And some people, it's out of ignorance. They just don't know what to do. That's why I said today, I emphasized while I was getting ready to pray for people. I said, oh, listen, there's many of you up here. we got to keep going. So when I lay hands on you as a point of contact, you have your heart made up. And I said, you say something like, say, thank you, Jesus, I received the anointing. Or thank God the anointing is going into me. I said, whatever it is you do, express yourself to Jesus. And say, Lord, when he lays hands on me, I'm receiving the anointing of God. Well, some people didn't know how to receive or just whatever reason. And so that's what Jesus talked about. 
But you got ears to hear, let you hear. And always remember this. You have physical ears, you have spiritual ears. And so it's one thing to have these ears up here and you're hearing, because everybody here is hearing me, the ones that are listening. Some people aren't listening right now. I know that. But if you're listening right now, if you're physical ears, listen with your spiritual ears, because that's where you're going to get the help at. And so Jesus said right here, as we look at this right here, says, The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh next week. Satan cometh next year. Satan cometh what? Immediately. And what's he want to do? Take away the word. Take away the word that was sown in their hearts. And if you look over on the other side, when he gives you the example that the natural, natural illustration for the spiritual truth is this. It says in verse 4, And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. When I bought my house on First Avenue in Barstow back in 2009, I wanted grass in my front yard. And so I learned about Barstow and about birds. They don't have a lot to eat around Barstow. And so if you leave anything out that they can eat, the birds eat everything you need. I got it, man. I got to run them off out of my orchard out of Newberry Springs, man. The birds, they don't have much to eat or drink. So if you got anything out there, they're going to get it. And so anyway, I was talking to a guy that had been there for a while. He told me, he said, a couple of things you got to do. You got to, you got to put manure out there, put it under the manure, and then you got to put straw on top of it. And the reason being, all the grass seed that I had that would stay in the ground would grow and turn into grass. But guess what? If the birds eat it, don't turn it into grass because there's no seed left. All the seed that a man of God or woman of God plants into a congregation that stays in their heart produces faith. All of it the devil can take away from him produces nothing because the devil got it. We're talking about parable, a natural illustration to get across a spiritual truth. Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you won't understand anything about the kingdom. He said, if you understand this, you'll understand everything. And so, in your life, the devil's main target isn't your marriage. It isn't your health. His main target is to keep the Word of God from bearing fruit in your life. And so, his number one thing is, as we go over this in the next few weeks, you're going to see this more and more in this parable. His number one thing is, the best way to stop something from growing is to kill it in seed form. And so if he can stop the word from ever getting in your heart and in your thinking when you walk out that door, if he's already stolen it, he's already got the victory and you didn't even know it. You know? That's like you, you know, the old saying, some people watch things happen, some people make things happen, some people say, what happened? There's a lot of people come to a church like this they can tell what they saw happen. You ask them what happened. They say, I don't know. But you ask people like you that are serious about the word. You can say this. Well, I'll tell you what. I watched, I watched Doug and Alessa start coming to that church. And they were good Christians. But man, the word really started getting in their hearts. And they're putting it into faith now. They'll tell you exactly what happened. The word of God got in their hearts and in their thinking and in their mouths. And they got victory. Somebody said, well, man, it must have been something lucky about that church. So what do they do with luck? They teach the Word of God there. We heard it. We started doing what it said. That's why our lives changed. Amen. But wasn't that pastor lucky? He had cancer and had a heart attack. And now he's better. He's been his whole life. He's just doing so great. He said, man, he was, boy, I'll tell you what, you got a lucky pastor. No, our pastor hears the Word. He lives the Word. He speaks the Word. He talks the Word. And in Mark chapter 4, that's what Jesus said. Everything revolves around what you do with the Word of God. Amen. You go ahead and clap, Maxine. You started. Let's get it going. Amen. And so Satan coming to me to steal the word. And so here's what the Lord wants me to teach you tonight about this. I know I've been doing a lot of talk about a lot of things, but I think it's been anointed where you're getting something out of it to help you. And so why don't you make the decision today, since Satan, since Satan is that serious to hinder you, putting God's word first in your life, to elevate the word above all your planning at all your decision-making and natural things of life. Why don't you elevate your thinking? If this is that important to Jesus, and the devil obviously knows that important, why don't you change your thinking to think 
My life has to start revolving around more church services, more Word of God, and put God's Word's place in my life. But anyway, I'm going to go through the rest of this parable over the next few weeks. But for now, I want to look at some ways to guard against Satan in this first line of attack, still in the words you hear to service. How many want to see in the Word of God? I'm serious. How many want to see how to guard what you hear tonight? And listen, since Jesus always tells the truth, I'm going to tell you right now, this is not prophesied because the Holy Ghost gave me a specific word. But you know the Word of God, you don't have to prophesy, you just give the Word. There's people sitting in this service here tonight that's going to walk out of here and not know what was taught. Because it's going to be stolen before they get out. There's people in here tonight that in a lot of services they've been stolen from. But tonight's going to be the first night <clears throat> that you're going to really know how to keep what you got tonight. Because you're going to be wiser than the devil. Because the Word of God gives you wisdom. And you're going to leave tonight and you're going to, out, you're going to know how to guard and keep that seed. Just like I put that cow manure and that straw in my grass. And I want to tell you. That grass grew so good, it was almost offensive to me to where people stopped and took pictures. Am I telling you the truth? It really, really, really got pretty embarrassing. I couldn't go out my front yard. People would stop and park their cars at my house and stand there taking videos and pictures of my grass and my flowers. We brought, we brought our Indiana landscape to Barstow, California. And sometimes, uh, Katie, my daughter-in-law, would talk about how high my water bills were. And I said, well, I choose to put my water on my grass because God transplanted me from a place that had grass and flowers. And so because he did, God could pay my water bill so I could still have grass and flowers. I'm not used to dirt. I want grass and flowers. And so then he did better than that. He sent me to a place now where I have acres and acres of all that kind of stuff out now and lots of trees and free water. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. I, I, I pay Mr. Edison for it, for the, for the pump to run. I got all the grass stuff. What God gives you is ours of your heart. So, so that seed was planted so good in our yard that people would stop. People walking around the street stop and look at our grass. Rich people, poor people, other people, they'd all stop and look at our grass. Oh, we look at your grass every day. Oh, that's such a blessing to see that. Well, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't guard the seed. These testimonies we have of all these cancer healings, if that seed wasn't guarded, the people would have got healed. These restored marriages, we have restored marriages in here tonight, a couple of them, Pastor Dave used for example this morning. Those marriages would not have been restored if they had to kept the word that got planted in their hearts. Amen. And so I'm telling you right now, for your victories, you've got to guard the word you hear because Satan knows what that word will do if it grows. And you act on it. It'll give you victory. And so I want to show you how to guard that word. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. As Dr. Barclay says sometimes, I'm not bored you, am I? Okay, make sure you get this. And when you read this, when I read this, ask uh, just just stop and think, have you heard this verse lately? Deuteronomy 30, verse 14 says this, The word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. The word, he says, is this is talking to Moses thousands of years ago. And see, spiritual laws never change. They're always the same. See, even back when Moses was taught to the children of Israel, he said, the word of God's got to be in your mouth. And in your heart. And then do it. Well, did anybody hear a young, good-looking pastor who looks just like his dad, except he doesn't have the faith here yet. He'll, I keep telling him, he's going to start combing it back. He's going to grow it and comb it back and put some hairspray on it. But anyway, did anybody hear a young pastor this morning talk from Romans chapter 10, verse 8, about the word bit in your heart and in your mouth, and then Paul said that is the word of faith which we preach? Well, we're talking about the value of the word. Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 4, this parable, understand this. And so in other words, this isn't something new God just came up with through Jesus. It's been around since God started talking to man. Moses said, the word you hear thousands of years ago told the Israelites, 
He says it's got to be in your heart and in your mouth. And then do it. Then obey it. In your heart, in your mouth. Then do it. Can you see that? I'll tell you how to guard the Word of God. In your heart and in your mouth, start quoting the Scriptures. And then I want you to go ahead and go over to Moses' trainee that took over his leadership when Moses went to heaven in Joshua chapter 1. This spiritual, this spiritual law of faith that Jesus taught, that Paul taught, started thousands of years before they were teaching it. All of our spiritual victories are going to be determined by the value we place upon God's Word and the way we speak it, how we treat it, how we honor it, how we obey it. When God made His first covenant with man, started speaking through Moses, He told them, put this Word in your heart and in your mouth. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. He told Joshua, Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Well, that was the word of God they had written up at that time. Which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from the word to the right hand or to the left. Why? That thou mayest prosper wheresoever thou goest. And that word prosper there, the center of the Hebrew, means to deal wisely. To deal wisely. To make wise decisions. And so he says, if you turn not to the right or to the left, but you stay focused on the Word of God, you're going to make wise decisions. How many are tired of making dumb choices? How many are tired of having to pray the bell me out prayers? Don't help me God prayers. God told Joshua, don't turn to the left, to the right. Keep your eyes on what the Word says. Keep it in your heart, in your mouth, and you won't make dumb decisions. And, you know, I think about, oh, I can't eat more bunny trills. I've got to stay focused to keep you guys. But I just want to tell you this. If you would not violate the Word of God you know in business decisions you make, family decisions you make, social decisions you make, you quit getting in trouble. Because God said you prosper, you make wise decisions. If it violates the Word, just don't do it. And you know, the good thing about this is this. God knows what level you are. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, he tells us if we walk in the light that we have, he'll give us mercy on what we don't have. And so in other words, God holds you accountable for where you are. You know, we're like a one-room schoolhouse in here. We have kindergartners spiritually in this room right now. That means one's just starting their Christian walk. we got college graduates spiritually in here that are working on their master's degree, that really, really, really know a lot of wood. Well, guess what? You're much more accountable to our kid than our kindergartners are. They can get by things you can't get by with. They can still mess their pants because God's got somebody to change them, but God expects you to quit doing that. Get out of your pampers. Amen. And so then, notice then verse 8. He says, This book of the law, the Word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth. Well, my center column for says, where it says, shall not depart out of your mouth. Center column in the Hebrew says, the word shall be constantly in your mouth. 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 Why do you think I can quote so many scriptures. It's because I'm a special case that God just one day come in and like like some kind of a Star Trek alien thing, put some kind of thing on my head, the the Bible cap, and just all said, I'm a walking Bible. I'm a walking Bible. No, I'm 40 years of keeping the word constantly in my mouth. I'm 40 years of spending time in the Bible, Bible seminars, Dr. Barclay, Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland meetings, Special teachers coming to here to teach the Word of God, and then me getting it, writing it down, taking notes, looking at my notes, speaking the Word of God. This is a spiritual law that Jesus told us about. He said, if you understand this parable, you'll understand all things in the kingdom of God. If you don't understand this, you understand nothing. He said, Satan comes immediately to steal the Word. How are you going to keep the Word that you hear tonight going? Start talking it 
speaking what you hear tonight, talk what you hear tonight, keep the word constantly in your mouth tonight. But look at this. Here's where we're headed to. It says, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but shall meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest deserve to do according to all that is written therein. For then, now look at this. This is not a misprint. For then thou, not God, then thou shall make thy way prosperous, and then thou shall have good success. So is it your God? What's well, God's word? Because what you do with the word, you're causing your good success. You're causing your way to be prosperous. It's God. It's because God's watching his word. And you're speaking his word just like we're speaking over Barstow. And last Pastor David said, this is twofold. It's your life that's working in. It's the city that's working in. And then, <clears throat> I want you to notice that because I remember the first time I read that, I thought, man, that must be wrong. God's the one that prophesies me and gives me good success. He is. But he says it's going to be according to what you do with the word. He says, when you keep the word in your mouth, says that thou shall make thy way prosperous. Well, you're making your way prosperous because it's the word working in you making your way prosperous. You're making your body healthy when you're speaking the word. But it's the word making your life healthy. It's because you're speaking the word. And Jesus is the word. So as you're speaking the word, keep your mouth full of the word. You keep your mouth full of God. You keep your mouth full of faith. You keep your mouth full of anointing. He says, this word shall be in your mouth day and night. We don't have time as Christians sit around playing video games all day long if we want to win in life. I want to say that again, you goofy Christians. How can you be a pastor if you don't really tell people the truth in love? Don't tell me if you're sitting around playing video games all day long wanting to go to the next level and you're sick and can't quote one healing scripture that it wasn't God's will to heal you. If you're having a hard time paying your light bill and your cars and stuff you're doing because you don't have money to do it, and you're playing video games all day long and not getting God's word in your life and in your mouth working, don't tell me it wasn't God's will for you to have a good card for your lights to stay on. Jesus said, if you understand this parable that everything revolves around what you do with the word of God, you'll understand everything. If you don't understand this, he said, you understand nothing. You got to understand your victories in the word. So anyway, I want you to notice there. He said, you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. Hebrews says, you will deal wisely in the affairs of this life. You will deal wisely in the affairs of this life. Is being on the right job an affair of this life? Is having the right car, the right mate, kids going to the right schools, living in the right neighborhood, going to the right church? Is that the affairs of this life? Well, that's what he said. said, when you keep this word, you're about to do But anyway, he said, meditate in it day and night. Now, we're going to go to one more place because you've got to see this. Go to Psalms chapter 1, verse 2. Keep it in mind, he told Joshua to meditate in the word day and night. Now, remember, I started off by telling you there's a difference between Bible reading and meditating in the word of God. Remember that? There's a difference. Psalms 1, verse 2, <clears throat> talking about a serious Christian, says his delight is in the law of the Lord. And so I want to say that this way. If your delight is in something, means you love something. If you delight yourself in ice cream, that means you love ice cream. If you delight yourself in your mate, that means you love your mate. And so if you delight yourself in the Word of God, that means you love the Word of God. It says, you love the word of God, and in his law, the word doth he meditate day and night. And so the word meditate, in the center column, the word meditate, in Hebrew means to ponder by talking to oneself. Talking to oneself. And the Hebrew denotes an active recitation, a re-speaking of God's word. A recitation, a re-speaking of God's Word. Did anybody ever go to a recital? They recite things. When I was in school, back when, man, I was in school before President Kennedy was even around. Man, that's been a few years ago. President Truman, President Kennedy. I remember those guys. Anyway, when I was in schools, before we had all the fancy electronic stuff, we had these simple little cards called flashcards. 
And in school, we had to do the flashcards. Now, the flashcards on the front, if I hold you the card right now, the front side, all you see is 2 plus 2. Well, the one holding the card on this side sees the answer. On this side says the answer is 4. So that's how we drilled each other. We held the flashcards up, and then we had a recital in front of the class. We had to recite these math things to the class. We had to go up there and say 2 plus 2 is 4. 4 plus 4 is 8. 8 plus 8 is 16. We're doing a recital. That's what meditating the Word of God is. You're doing a recital of the Scriptures. That's the way I learned all the verses that I learned. And God taught me something. I've told you guys what I'm going to say hundreds of times in the last 15 years. Get it this time. I talked to so many Christians as a baby Christian. They tried to tell me verses. And I was a new Christian. I said, where's that at? They say, I don't know. It's in the Bible. I don't know addresses. And I thought as a young Christian... I thought, man, I'm going to learn addresses. Because if I need to look up a scripture, I don't want to say, well, I don't know addresses. Or some other Christian I'm trying to help, and they ask me, say, well, can you help me? I say, yeah, here's where it's at. Well, how do you know where that's at? I say, because I learned it that way. I taught myself that way. And so every verse I write on my three by five cards, everything I do, if I, if I'm learning John 3.16, I don't say, for God so loved the world, he gives, I say, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. If I'm, if I'm learning Philippians 4.19, I don't say, but my God supply my needs. I say, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all of my needs. If I say, greater is he that's in me and hits in the world, I don't say that. I say, 1 John 4.4, 4, you're of God, little children, but overcome the wicked one, because greater is he that's in you that hits in the world. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, will a man rob God? I learned addresses before I learned the verses. Therefore, that's why whenever I'm helping people, when I'm up here teaching the Bible, I don't have to stop saying, like a lot of preachers do, well, you know, the Bible says, I sit in churches even today sometimes, but I visit places that say the Bible says, and I'll think, it doesn't say that. They never tell you where it says it. They heard that, so they say it says that. Well, the Bible says God, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, the Bible says charity begins at home. Everybody hear all that stuff some people say sometimes? If you're going to tell me the Bible says, tell me where the Bible says it at so I can find it. Because sometimes when people tell me what it says, I go to research it and it doesn't say that at all. They just heard somebody else say that, so they say it says it. So I'm telling you right now, as you begin to meditate in the Word day and night and write verses down, write down the address, learn the address with the verse, and you won't be spiritually ignorant. Wasn't that a clapping time? Amen. We're about to wrap it up. But I'm showing you how to guard the words you heard tonight. Jesus already told you. As surely as if Jesus were standing here talking to you in his Roman sandals, his long hair and his beard, and his, his robe that he wore. If Jesus were standing here tonight, he wouldn't tell you anything different than what I'm telling you. Jesus would say, Hi, there's a word center people. Here tonight I want to give you a warning. Your pastor is teaching you the Bible, but I want to tell you something. Satan wants to take this, you're here tonight, and steal it from you. That's what Jesus would tell you. How do I know that? Because he's the same yesterday and forever. The same Holy Spirit that had Jesus teach that is the same Holy Spirit that's in your heart tonight. And he's using me to tell you this is how you guard it. So look at this closer here than what he said. He said, you meditate the word day and night. You talk the word of God out loud. Then verse 3, the very same thing he told Moses and Joshua. He said, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Your leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Exact same thing he told Joshua. So he's saying right here the same thing, that whatsoever you do shall prosper. That means you'll deal wisely in the affairs of life. All those different great men of faith, he said the same thing through through Moses, he said it through Joshua, now he said it through David, now he said it through Pastor Samples. Meditate the word day and night, be wiser than the devil. If you will do this as a homework assignment, what I'm going to give you, I got my three by five cards. I'm writing new verses down on the verses I know, but I'm writing to keep them fresh. Mrs. Pastor went down to the Dollar Tree and got me a package of 200 cards for a dollar. Buy yourself some cards this week. 
or some other means you want to do, some verses you heard tonight that helped you, write them down, read them out loud this week, chapter and verse, and you're going to see something start changing in your life. You're going to start knowing what to do instead of being befuddled. You're going to know exactly what to do because the Bible says you'll deal wisely in the affairs of life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 